Hey, how's it going, everyone? My name is Jed, and you are listening to Talking Records, a podcast that focuses on one album per episode, really diving in and rounding up everything we can and putting it in one place. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined in a moment by Emily Whitehurst, who will take us through Survival Guide's 2023 covers record, Request Hotline Volume 2. You can find Talking Records on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our stuff pops up on YouTube, and we have a website, TalkingRecordsPodcast.com, and an email address at TalkingRecords at Outlook.com. These are all great ways for us to connect and talk about, well, records. We're massive music fans, and nothing pleases us more than nerding out over this stuff. Thanks for supporting the show. It would be super great if you could spread the word. Survival Guide is the solo project of Emily Whitehurst, formerly of Tsunami Bomb. Emily combines electronic indie pop and punk rock, drawing influences from Depeche Mode to AFI. Emily has released original music at Survival Guide, and with the recent release of Request Hotline Volume 2 on Double Helix Records, has treated us to a wide variety of great cover songs. Emily doesn't just play them straight through. She utilizes piano, synths, drum machines on these songs. I discovered Emily back in 2001 when a CD from Tomato Head Records by a band called Tsunami Bomb ended up at the college radio station. Tomato Head was run by Chuck Phelps, drummer of Skank and Pickle, and was pushing out some really awesome stuff. I loved the psychobilly ska sounds of the Peacocks, the punishing drive of Nicotine, and the MU-330-like the Ray Guns. Tsunami Bomb was another exciting release as organs and dark lyrics were working together to create this dark feel. Needless to say, I followed the band on through until their breakup. Emily would go on to front the action design and launch her own solo project, Survival Guide. Being a fan of her songwriting and vocals, I naturally kept up with what she was doing. Here to tell us more about Survival Guide and Request Hotline Volume 2 is Emily Whitehurst. Hello, Emily. Welcome to Talking Records. Hi, thank you. Thanks for joining the show. I'm a longtime fan, and I'm definitely excited to talk about Survival Guide and Request Hotline Volume 2. Awesome, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, too. <laughs> Survival Guide is a solo band, right? Yes, yes. It started out as a two-piece, but it has been solo for a while now. And so I know you do like a lot of streaming and we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, do you, do you take the show on the road at all? Do you do live gigs and stuff? I, yes, I haven't been doing a lot of shows lately. Um, I spent a lot of time focusing on my 
next full length album over the last few months. Uh, but yes, I do. I do play live shows and I just have a bunch of keyboards and electronics and stuff up on stage with me. Do you have like a home studio where you just like record stuff or do you actually like head out to a studio to, to do this stuff? Like how does it work when it's just you? <laughs> yeah, well, all of the stuff that I recorded for Request Hotline Volume 2, I did myself in my own studio. I have, I basically have a, I mean, a very, you know, small makeshift. I have a, I have a music room um, <laughs> that I like to call, I dubbed it uh, for the, on the seven inch on RHB 1.5 uh, triple C music room. And I have my own uh, vocal booth. That's just like a thoroughly padded closet. <laughs> the room under the stairs. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> the basic gear that I need to be able to record myself. That's really cool. So you know how to do like all that stuff, like drum machines and like... Yeah, I mean, I, I've spent... Uh, I mean, it ties in with, with my Patreon and with the whole project in general, but I've spent the last few years since finally accepting that Survival Guide is a solo project. Yeah. I decided at one point, you know what? I need to learn how to do this. Like I need to learn how to record myself and how to make it sound decent and, and you know, how to use these audio work stations and stuff. Yeah. I'm, st I'm still learning. There's still a lot for me to <laughs> learn. I am at least to a point where I can record myself and then I've dabbled in mixing, but that is really mm. hard and I don't enjoy it at all. <laughs> you have to have a lot of patience or like a really good ear for that kind yeah. of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. My hat's off to people who do well with that. Yeah, me too. So you're you're mostly known for a long time as a vocalist. You decided to start up the band. And was this like the kind of thing where you had to just like self-teach yourself everything? Or were you like, hey, this is what I want to do. Who can show me how to do this? <laughs> Well, it was kind of a gradual transition because after Tsunami Bomb, you know, in that band, I was just a vocalist, a straight uh, front person. And then then I was in a band called The Action Design. Yeah. We had added keyboards in that band. And so I was very, I don't want to say hesitant, but not, I wasn't very confident, but I, I, I gradually got more confident with playing keyboards and singing. Jason, who was the guitar player of the action design, is also the person who started Survival Guide with me. Uh. So we kind of had just kind of wanted to branch off in, in, a, in a more electronic direction. But our whole attitude from the beginning was just like, well, let's just see what we can do. Like, sure. it, we can throw some drums onto a track and put guitars and you know, a whole world opens up with keyboards alone, you know, just with the amount of different sounds they have and everything. So it's kind of always been just a see what I can do type thing. Even after Jason left, I have picked up the bass since then. And um, I tried to learn some guitar, but that was a little <laughs> more more difficult than I, <laughs> I knew it would be hard, but I didn't think about how I'd also have to basically have zero fingernails. I mean, as a guitar player myself, uh, I'm still still trying to figure it out. So, yeah, <laughs> after 17 years of playing, <laughs> I remember the action design being more pop, more more danceable. So, when you started Survival Guy with Jason, was there sort of like 
let's keep that, but also kind of like do the punk thing, like a happy medium or? No, I mean, Survival Guide is really like even further from punk than um, than the action design is mm-hmm. since there's no, you know, there's no, there's not really live drums even. Um, so there, there are definitely some dancey songs and some dancey elements, but, uh, but not too much punk rock going on. I mean, this, uh, request hotline volume two is, is sort of, a a re- return to, I meant like an attitude, maybe, maybe there's like a, oh, like a punk, okay. punk attitude behind what you're doing. <laughs> okay. Well then yes, for sure. <laughs> When you're thinking about skulls and stuff like that, I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if if anyone can hear it or notice it besides me, but I definitely feel like I will always be influenced by punk mm-hmm. and that, you know, pop punk was the thing that got me into music and I I feel like I carry elements of it with me in everything that I do. Um but but I can see how you know some like real hardcore tsunami bomb fans might not might not hear it or see it anymore <laughs> yeah well you'll always have that no matter what yeah but uh all right well thanks for taking us through sort of like the the introductory crash course in survival guide i want to jump into the record uh records because we'll you know we'll touch on volume one as well and your upcoming album of original stuff so as i understand it this particular project actually grew from Patreon. You you had like um, some tier lists. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Um, t- well, first tell me what drew you to Patreon. Uh, around the time I was deciding to commit to Survival Guide, because there was a there was a time period where I was like, "What am I doing? I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a solo project. I don't know how to do a solo project." Um, and then I, I finally was like, you know, I, I kind of pictured my life without doing music. And I also moved to Texas around that time. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, now I hardly know any musicians around, you know, it's not like I'm going to recruit a bunch of people to perform in survival guide with me just right off the bat. So I, I had to make some decisions and um, I decided that I should just start trying things. And I am friends with the band, the Dolly Rots, mm-hmm. and they had a Patreon and I, I kind of checked their Patreon out. And then I was touring as survival guide. I was doing a short tour and, um, and I, I had, I had looked at the Dolly Rots Patreon and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of, I don't know. I, I didn't know how I felt about it. <laughs> so when I was on this little tour, one of the promoters started telling me about Patreon and about like how like different ways you can use it and how um it's a great way to you know build a community and 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 also support your music at the same time so i started looking into it more and decided that hey this could be a really good way to you know not only supplement some income but also have an outlet for trying to figure out what i'm doing right off the bat one of the first rewards so if for anyone who doesn't know patreon is is like a membership basically where you have different tiers that include different rewards they can be kind of be anything you want and as many tiers and rewards as you want um so one of the rewards that i had right off the bat was 
that I would do a cover of your choosing um, for each patron at that level. And that filled up immediately. So I was like, uh oh. <laughs> You're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. I was some work to do. I did not yeah, I did not expect that. And I didn't know, you know, at that point I was like, okay, wow, I've recorded I had recorded a couple of covers on GarageBand at that point. So I, yeah, so I really had to start learning and just like diving into it and also talking to patrons and being like, I hope you know, this is going to be like, I'm learning here. This is going to be rough. (laughs) (laughs) So don't expect like radio quality (laughs) release. I'm sure though that they, uh, they must've known. I mean, did you have like, uh, like a list that they could choose from or was it like anything goes? No, it was anything. Wow. It was anything. So, I mean, that was, that was part of what made it really fun is that, um, I mean, what makes, I've been taking a break from it for a while. That was part of what made it really fun is that, um, you know, I, I, the selections were, were surprising to me in, in different ways based on each song, you know, like, oh, I know, I totally know this band or this artist, but this is like a really deep cut, like, like a David (laughs) Bowie song that I've never heard and stuff like that. Yeah. That's the cool thing about Patreon, though, is that people can support you, but they can kind of like get they can kind of get something out of it that's a little more personalized. I mean, they get a, they get you to do a cover that they want to hear. It's a pretty neat thing. Yeah, I I really enjoy it, and I've been doing it for I think five years now. So we've got we've got a really good like core group of people who come to my streams, and I I do a lot of Patreon streams as well. Um, that are that are in a sense almost private because you know as opposed to twitch because i stream on twitch as well which is yeah. for anyone can stumble into my twitch stream um, but patreon streams we do like a a chat every month and i do karaoke where they request karaoke songs and i do <laughs> uh i do a a vinyl basically like a almost like a radio show like a live radio show where i'm spinning vinyl from my own vinyl collection and we're just listening to music together nice it's pretty fun and is that something like how do you build that because i can only imagine like for example if i was to hop on twitch right now and like play my guitar and look down and see like there's one person watching like how do you like get that going yeah <laughs> how do you <laughs> well, build I'm... that up and is it a little nerve-wracking at first when you look down and you're like oh there's only two people here <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's more nerve wracking when there's a lot of people there because oh, okay. <laughs> I I'm still uh, I'm definitely still learning. I don't know how to read music. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> on my Twitch stream, I do I do piano and bass. So I'll like play bass and sing for some songs and play piano and sing for others. That's cool. I mean, I, I've gotten much more comfortable with it for sure um, over time. I feel like most musicians on Twitch can read sheet music or tabs at least. They have like a, a list of 500 songs you can choose from to request. And my list is only like 60 something or 70 songs. And I have to remember them all. <laughs> yeah, so, I was going to say, do you know the lyrics to 60 songs? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of them are my own songs from my from within the past, my past uh, music career or my present and past career. Yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of them are ones that I have already sung like hundreds of times on stage. 
those are in your wheelhouse. But I know on Twitch you were doing like you were doing some stuff where you were actually sitting down and like trying to learn a song while people were watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do that. I um, I'll do live learns, which was really stressful at first. Yeah. And and then <laughs> I just decided. I I mean, it's kind of been my attitude with with Survival Guide for the last few years. Like since this whole thing started, I'm just kind of like, well. I should try it. Like people do live learns all the time on Twitch. And if it's horrible and people stop, you know, regulars come by and then they leave, <laughs> then maybe I'll stop doing it, but I could at least try it. And it seems like people are interested to see the whole process behind, cause I'm actually, um, you know, figuring out how to take a, you know, a non piano song and turn it into a, an acoustic piano song. So not only am I not using sheet music, but I'm like figuring out chords, which uh, which I thought had the potential to be very boring, but some people are interested in it. It definitely it's, I have more of an audience when I'm doing requests, yeah, which makes sense. You know, some people probably stop by and they're like, what's happening right now? <laughs> what, <is she> doing? <laughs> what are these terrible chords that are coming out? Does she know her phone's on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But it's kind of cool at the same time because it's like learning about music or like, you know, people that maybe are really just fascinated in how that comes together or people who maybe aren't musicians who are like, how yeah. do people figure out songs, you know? Yeah. That's the impression that I've gotten is it because, you know, when I was first doing it, I was like, is this, I'd ask them flat out, like, is this interesting to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people said yes. Like, you know, the people who were there said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a musician. So it's fascinating to me to see you, you know, to, to see what it's like to see how you can, you know, listen to a song and then, and then figure out a chord and like what it takes to turn it into a, into a piano song. So, yeah. So it's cool. So I figure, you know, I might as well, just use that as another reason to learn more songs and to get better at playing piano and also more comfortable with uh, just being really vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And it stretches you as a performer and also a writer, because I imagine jumping from like style to style or genre to genre, uh, I don't know, decade to decade, that must bleed into your, your solo music, your original stuff a little bit. For sure. For sure. I, the thing that I love the most about it, I think, is um, arrangements mm. is, you know, like breaking a song down and being like, oh, wow, here they go. Like verse one, little snippet of instrumental straight into verse two, you know, just like the way that that uh, songs are arranged and over the years, how things change. And like it, it just reminds me that things don't have to always be you know, first course, first, first course, course, bridge. Course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. That fascinates me. Uh, I'd love to break down how songs are set up sometimes, you know, like, why did they do this? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's neat. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even really notice it until you are like focusing on it. You know, it can be a song that you've heard a hundred times that you know so well. And then once you're actually, you know, breaking it down, it's then you, realize some things about it you didn't know <laughs> right or do you ever get to a point where you're like the song just isn't happening it's out of my vocal range or it's just too confusing like do you ever have that happen where you're like abandon ship <laughs> <laughs> uh y yes but except i 
feel like I can't abandon the ship. So mm. that's when I, you know, especially for these Patreon recordings, that's oh, yeah. when I would have to just figure out what to do, either change the key or, you know, scrap the whole thing and, and make it a different um, feel for the whole song or, sure. uh, you know, whatever I can do to make it actually work. And there definitely have been some where um, I felt like I was spending too much time because, you know, as a, as a musician, you probably know this too, that like sometimes you're working on a song and you just it seems like you, it's not never done, you know, like you're, you're working yes. on a song and you can't tell. It, it just seems like it's never exactly what you want it to be. So you just keep going. Exactly. Yeah. But that's cool. Cause I mean, these, these things like Patreon and Twitch and like, just like setting up and doing a, sh doing a show is kind of like, you know, when we were teenagers and we threw a show at our friend's house or we threw a show in the barn, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's just so casual. Like, <laughs> just do it. Just go for it. Just set it yeah. up and go. So that's cool. Yeah, exactly. So getting into these cover songs a little bit more, uh, your versions, and this is something I really loved, your versions don't sound like the originals. I mean, you've talked about playing the piano. You've talked about sort of making them your own. I love that. I mean, when I hear cover songs, I don't want to hear, you know, like Screeching Weasel playing a Ramones song the way the Ramones played it. You know, if I want to listen <laughs> yeah. to that, I'll listen to the Ramones. You take all these great songs and you put really interesting spins on them thank you so how do you approach how do you approach that uh well i feel the same way you do about covers um i feel like if you're gonna cover a song you 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 need to make it sound different you know otherwise what's the point of covering it right Ex with the exception of cherry bomb oh. uh <laughs> when i recorded that one i i decided uh, that was one where I was like, I don't know what to do to this song. And um, I didn't dwell on it very long. I just was suddenly like, you know what? I'm going to use this song as a way to try to see if I can make it sound like the original. Like, see what I what I can do to make it sound like the original. Kind of just as, a, as, a, as an exercise for mm -hmm. myself. And it, for me personally, it worked out because I... I just love the way that the vocals are on the original. I love the way that she says the words and sings them. Yeah. So I really wanted to just do it the same, you know, and yeah. I didn't think that the <laughs> Hello, music mom. Would... Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so good. I just couldn't imagine that that like sort really bratty sounding vocal style going under or going on top of, you know, a different type of music. So I just yeah. I just went went for it with that one. But uh, but yeah, I think that um, it's just more fun and interesting when you cover something and, and give it a new a new life, you know, just change it into something else while still obviously keeping the core of the song. It's yeah, a fun it does challenge. Change it. Yeah. it does change it a bit because like, yeah, it gives it like a different vibe. It gives it like, like, I don't know, emphasis on different parts or I know a lot of times when bands will do like acoustic sets, like all of a sudden the song 
kind of takes on like a different feel because it's more intimate. Um, totally, like of their own songs differently. Yeah, yeah. Like you mean of their own songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I I think that deciding on and figuring out how to create these different feels for each song was the most fun part about the whole project. Cause that's, it was like, once I, it, it was also kind of the hardest part most of the time was yeah. thinking, what am I going to do to, especially <laughs> on this, you know, on request hotline volume two, that's completely punk themed. Um, yeah. You've got AFI. You're doing like, like a, like a, like a dance version of total moral. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Do you ever get to a point though, where you're like, this is, this is very different. Like, I don't know, like, will people like this? I mean. Oh yeah. Every, every time. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much every time I'm like, I don't, the, who, the person who requested the song might actually hate this. Like they might be offended by <laughs> this version of their favorite song. Yeah. Um, but they never, and, and the times where I was especially concerned about that, I, you know, would, would send it to them and be like, I hope this is okay. Like, I hope you, I hope you like it. And they, they at least tell me that they, they like and enjoy and appreciate these versions. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how <laughs> honest they're being, but uh but no one has you know no one has unsubscribed right after getting their song oh yeah <laughs> no one's so one of the drawbacks right to like patreon <laughs> is like you get immediate feedback probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but luckily no one has uh you know that that would kind of make me sad if i sent them their song and then they're like yeah okay, I was gonna yeah ask i'm you. i'm out of here <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask do you have thick skin <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool. You um, did a whole bunch of these, and I guess at some point you realized, well, I've got enough here for a couple of releases. So you did Request Hotline Volume 1 and then Request Hotline Volume 2. Um, how did you decide, out of all the songs you had done, which ones were going to go into an actual digital release? Request Hotline Volume 1 is definitely some of the earliest covers that I recorded. Mm-hmm. And um, some of these punk covers were were mixed in there um, as well as I as I was releasing them on Patreon, basically, and, and sending them out to patrons. But as I, you know, as I mentioned before, people bought up those cover slots immediately. So I had the basic like list of all the covers that I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And as I was looking at it and going, you know, finishing songs, I thought to myself, well, I have most of one album done, like the earliest stuff. And then I can see that I have enough punk songs here that I could do the next one as a full like punk collection. You know, it's it's punk, uh, punk tribute, basically, yeah. collection. So that is what I did. Once I had enough songs um, done for the first one that weren't punk related, I released that one. And then I finished up the rest of the punk songs for the second one and released that. And I really did not plan on, on um, releasing them to the public initially. Mm -hmm. I thought 
I would only post them on Patreon and send them to the patrons who requested them because that in itself was nerve wracking enough, you know, to, yeah. to put these, these pieces of music out there that I did not feel super confident in. And um, then after they were out for, you know, out on Patreon for a while and people were enjoying them, I just thought, well, why not? You know, mm, like yeah. I, I have these, all these songs sitting here. Maybe, I mean, I know for a fact, they're not the best, you know, I mean, I've recorded them all myself, so they're not the best quality, but they're also totally listenable and fun. And Absolutely. there's kind of no reason for me not to release them. Sure. Well, the feedback was good. Nobody... Nobody unsubscribed. Yeah. It gave you a little <laughs> yeah. bit of, it gave you a little bit of confidence, confidence in them. Yeah, so. that's cool yeah. though. I mean, that's a good way to sort of like test what you're doing because your Patreon subscribers are probably like you know the people who are like your biggest fans and yeah, if they hear it and they're like, hey, this is really great. Then it gives you kind of that boost. Yeah, totally. And then for uh, Request Outline Volume Two, I that one is mixed by a mixing engineer so the first one was mixed by me and it was a crazy struggle <laughs> it was <laughs> it was not fun um so for the second one i had someone helping with that yeah <laughs> where'd you better. send it off to uh matt mulcaney from shards in um pennsylvania he's uh recommended by double helix records who also released this covers album as well i released the first one on my own and they released volume two yeah you had survival survival guide music like the the imprint the label yes yes survival guide records yeah it's <laughs> fun speaking of double helix yes you uh released this digitally but before you got this out um they helped you get a sweet AFI Misfits split a la Survival Guide. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. So how did the seven inch come about? Uh similar thing. Um actually we were brainstorming it on Patreon together. Like we do uh, at one of our um one of our monthly chat streams, we often talk about like what's coming up for Survival Guide or fun ideas or just whatever. And um and they really have posed as a great place for for ideas and you know bouncing ideas off of each other um so the idea came up of doing the a split with misfits and afi um we did some polls we did some polls on like whether it should be I didn't think that necessarily all four songs would fit on a seven inch. Mm. So I was pretty excited to find out that they would. Um, it is at a, at 33 and a third speed. So, yeah. um, but um, I had kind of been percolating the idea when I decided to do the songs the same. So like the two Misfit songs are both piano covers and the two AFI songs are both like dance 
dancey electronic yeah. <laughs> covers. So I, it kind of was, was formulating like, well, this is kind of fun. Like this is, this is like, uh, you know, this could be a split seven inch between the survival guide version of, of two bands that could easily do a split seven inch in real life. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be amazing. So, so yeah, I kind of, it kind of just like came together in this really natural way. And then fortunately, uh, Double Helix was, was excited about it too and, and wanted to, um, to press it. So That's it all, awesome. it they're all wonderful. Out. They're, they're great supporters of talking records. Um, before I ask you about how you got involved with them, I just love the fact that, yeah, I mean, you've got the two dance songs on one side and the two laid backs on the other. And like a good seven inch record, like that's a split, you know, one band will sound different than the other band. So it's cool that like one side sounds different than the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea too, that it's yeah. like, it's it, obviously it's all survival guide, but it's, it's like two separate bands with each having their own sounds. And, um, and that also made it a really fun challenge for, especially for the AFI songs, like for, mm. um, you know, after doing the first one and then being like, okay, I'm going to do it again. Another <laughs> AFI song have to make it not, you know, not the same or anything, but still, mm -hmm. still like, this is the same band. It's like right. the survival guide AFI. That's fun. You must have had fun with that. Yeah, it was really fun. So how did you connect with double helix records? They contacted me about, it's funny, I was just talking to Jeff about this the other day because um, I couldn't quite remember. It's been kind of a <laughs> whirlwind of an awesome, like symbiotic relationship. Um, so my brother designed the Double Helix logo hmm. uh, back in like 2001 or something, 2003, something like that. Um, but he passed away from brain cancer um i don't uh, over 10 years ago so jeff contacted me because he was kind of rebooting the label and mm -hmm. just wanted to make sure with the family that you know that we approve of still using my brother's artwork for their right. logo which That's of course nice. is awesome and um yeah you know. so he contacted me about that and um, we were messaging about that and I got him some photos of my brother and stuff for their website. And he, he was a, a fan of Tsunami Bomb back in the day too. And then he noticed that in my survival guide bio, it said that I was working on new music. And so he, you know, kind of threw it out there like, Hey, <laughs> hey you... about that new music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going with that? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Jeff and M are just such great people and um really wonderful music supporters and so we just started doing projects together and yeah so here we are we've got rhv 1.5 7 inch and the request hotline volume 2 covers album and then um in the fall i'm gonna have a full length coming out turning our attention to the songs we're talking a little about the afi songs and the misfit songs i wanted to dive into a few of these sure um the album starts off with my happy ending by avril lavigne and you were mentioning before that you don't really play guitar there's some guitar in there <laughs> yeah did you uh, have someone come down or is that you 
No, I had a friend play guitar on that one. I actually have a friend who um, I have done a few different musical projects with um, before I moved to Texas, and he's also a patron, and his name is Naveed. So I thought that would be fun to um, to have him, you know, one of my patrons and friends who plays (laughs) guitar to record on this song. So I just sent him the drums. I sent him drums, bass, and and vocals together and just asked him to add some guitar and give it lots of you know give it lots of i kind of yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i wanted it to be like obviously it is not exactly but i wanted it to be like what it would sound like if tsunami bomb had covered Mm. avril lavigne very cool new tier list play guitar on my music (laughs) yes (laughs) that's cool so when I did Cherry Bomb, as I mentioned before, I tr- I did my best to make it sound like the original, mm-hmm. but obviously like a, an electronic electric guitar does not really sound real. Fighting, yeah. Yeah, it was it was okay. And so Matt, who did the mixing on that one, you know, we were we were talking back and forth about the mixing and. And I was, you know, I was saying, oh, could you like adjust this guitar? I had two guitar, two guitar samples basically to combining to make one that sounded semi-realistic. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I kind of pointed that out and uh, he was like, well, I, I play guitar. I could always throw a track on there and make it sound a little bit better. And it definitely does. Yeah. He, uh, he still like, loves for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, please, please do. He left my electronic guitars in there but he added a layer of real guitar and it just like made it all sound better yeah fill it out yeah i understand you grew up a big green day fan was it uh was it super awesome to do still breathing it was i mean i grew up listening to dookie and the older stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, if it were up to me, I would have chosen a different song probably, but it was really fun to, to sing Billy Joe's arts and to do his melodies and stuff. I loved it. He is just a master at like great melodies and catchy hooks. I mean, (laughs) you really can't lose with a Green Day song, but he, you know, you got to hand it to him. He, he writes some great hooks and that's one of the the better newer Green Day songs. So I was like, hear it. That chorus is is um, has a great melody to it. In for tonight, you're only here to know by the Distillers. You have like it sounds like a full orchestra of instruments uh-huh. involved in this one. <laughs> Um, tell me a little bit about that. And also there is a point in this song where your, your vocal range goes way down. You're grabbing some real low (laughs) notes there. Emily was, was that a challenge to, to sing like that? Or tell me a little bit about this song. Yeah, this, I mean, this whole song was a challenge. Um, I really, really wanted to do an orchestral thing with this song and, I think one of the things that makes orchestral music and classical music so amazing is its dynamics mm. and the way that they 
you know, an orchestra can, can be so like soft and subtle and then just crashing, you know, mm -hmm. and like just the crescendos and just the waves of music that come at you and um, force. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I was attempting to do that and it was really hard. I mean, I knew it was going to be hard, but it, it definitely, I was right about that. <laughs> it was, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why can I not get this ending to sound like, you know, just, I wanted to really just like crash into you at the end. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. thankfully Matt, um, on mixing was able to, to, to bring it closer to what I was hoping for. But when I was trying to mix it myself, like in the moment when I was getting it ready for the patron that requested it, this is one of the ones where I was like, just working and working on it and just yeah. uh, tweaking it. And like, I need maybe more timpanis, you know, or whatever, <laughs> just like always adding something to it. And I, I am really happy with how it came out. And then, um, and then the vocal, yeah. The vocal is just so low on that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I I debated um, changing the key mm -hmm. on it, and then I was like, "I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna leave it. It's I'm go it's, for it. Yeah, I'm just gonna do it. And it's like it's so low. It's like I'm talking. It's like oh yeah, you know, just like <laughs> way down there. It's it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> kind of awesome though but and the thing is like about doing a song like that with all those parts is you were saying that you don't really mix so you're just recording it it's not mixed i mean i bet when you get a mixed and mastered version it just sounds completely different so you kind of have to like trust in that final step to take it yeah. where you're trying to get it <laughs> yeah well i mean the way that it the way that the process has been is that i record the song and mix the song because I'm going to give it mm. to the patron, you know, like okay. I, I didn't yeah. make them wait until the whole album was done, you know, but I did tell them like, you know, after a certain point when I knew that, that, uh, there were going to be better mixes, you know, I did tell them like your song is going to get an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, look out for that. But but yeah, I had to mix it initially and it mm. was really, it was really hard. So, so for me listening to the new mixes is just like, oh yeah, this sounds so much better. It just is, it's not too much different. And working with Matt was awesome too. Like I was able to, um, I think maybe because I, well, obviously because I recorded everything, every piece of it, I was able to really get in there with him and be like, you know, I'm, I'm missing a I'm missing a crash on second verse or whatever. Mm. Like I, you know, I, um, he was great to work with on on doing any of the tweaking that I requested. So it worked out great. Yeah, one of the biggest challenges I think about solo material is that lack of. I mean, sometimes it could be a nice thing, but that lack of like outside voices, other, other opinions, yeah. other ideas, you know, you're kind of going yeah. at it hundred percent on your own. For sure. Yeah. I think that is, that is, uh, that's what's super hard about it. That's what makes the whole project nerve wracking. There's gotta be a better term for that. I just feel so like every step of the way I'm just 
being so vulnerable, you know, yeah. being like, because there's nobody for me to work on the song with and be like, is this even good? You know, I right. just have to do it <laughs> and sort of trust myself. And then I send it to the patron and I'm like, ah, I hope, I hope it's good. Yeah. I hope I'm not just crazy. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned a vulnerability also, you know, with your own original stuff though, it's like you can totally get a hundred percent behind everything you write because you're writing it for you. Uh, when you front a band, you kind of have like three, three or four other people that are kind of standing back there too. And you're like, well, you know, if you write all the lyrics, you're kind of like, this is what I think. It may or may not be what the other, the other people in the band think it must be freeing to be able to just be like, I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got elements of both lyric wise. I did really feel like I, I finally, this is the first time I've really written exactly what I wanted to write mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I always have been representing a group of people. So not that, not that my new songs are like really extreme, but right. there are definitely some things that I am saying in these songs that I would not have said if I were writing for a whole band. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I also don't have anyone to, to bounce ideas off of and see if the music is good. <laughs> Adult Eyes by Maybe Tomorrow is a song in a band that I'd never heard of, uh, but came to appreciate after checking them out uh, after hearing your version. So that's kind of oh, awesome. cool. Um, how did that one come about? Yeah, so that was a request from... So I'm in San Antonio and that was a request from a patron who is also in San Antonio. Yeah. And the singer of uh, Maybe Tomorrow is a friend of his. Uh -huh. So he <laughs> used his cover request as an opportunity to, ah, you know, smart. get his friend's song um, performed by me. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, and I thought that was super cool and, uh, and it was a really fun song to do as well. And she actually is now a patron too, oh, which cool. makes it, which makes it even more fun. Like I met her at a show and got to talk to her about her song. And now I actually, you know, know, have met and know somebody who, whose song I covered and who I released on the album. So it's kind of just a really fun, um, fun thing. I know they're probably gonna have to pull you up on stage sometime when they do that song. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, love the sped up version of Turn It On, Slater Kinney, classic. Um, oh, thank you. Hybrid moments. Another good one. Is that live? It is not. No, it's not. I can't lie. It's uh, I, <laughs> I just felt inspired to, to make that one seem like it was live just for mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, that's um, cool. I I used to we used to do that one in action design mm -hmm. as well, like full band. So when I did it on this record, I, um. It just 
you know, brought back a lot of memories of doing this song live. And I knew I had it memorized and everything. And so while I was in the vocal booth, I just thought to myself, I should, I should just make it like it's a live version. Just it's fun. Just because why not? I mean, that's the other fun thing about this project is that I, being that it is just me, I can have a weird random idea like that and just, and execute it if I want to, you know? Yeah. That's fun. And you don't feel like restricted to having to do things a certain way or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for sure there would be at, you know, one point there would be, would have been a band member who'd be like, no, that's stupid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always that guy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When I first put on this album, I actually went right to the last track, uh, The Monster oh, yeah. by Tony Sly. I am a, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a massive No Use for Name fan. Tony solo stuff was just great. Uh, and your version was fantastic. I loved it. It was the first song I listened to when I listened to the record around when it came out. And I was like, all right, I'm going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I, I worry a little bit about that one because of, you know, everyone has their own memories of him. And yeah. since he's not around anymore, it's like an extra special, you know? Yeah. So I'm really Way glad to hear that you, uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that you liked it. Did you ever get a chance to meet Tony? Uh, the only time I crossed paths with No Use for a Name was, I think the first warp Tour that I ever did. It was so, we were only on it for like a week, I think. So I don't, I don't think I even got to meet them. I think I just was like, oh, wow, they're on this you know? We're here. We're here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just more in awe of everything that was happening. But so, yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think I ever met him. Mm -hmm. Well, the record is great. It's a lot of fun and it preps us for, like you said, a an album of original material that's coming out this fall. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, I spent the last few years, it took me, it took me longer than I wanted it to um, because of all that uncertainty and mm. everything that I talked about earlier. And, mm -hmm. you know, having, finding the confidence to, to write an album. Um, but it also was a major goal of mine. Like when I decided to commit and just be like, okay, I'm doing this alone. I was like, you know, it basically became a life goal to uh to write and record my own full-length album and mm -hmm. um i am so excited about it i recorded in november in phoenix and um i worked with bob hogue and as producer and it was so awesome it was just uh the whole experience was I mean, it was very stressful because out of, you know, any, this was like the height of me putting myself out there. I mean, I guess that will be met again whenever the album actually comes out Yeah, <laughs> and people are listening to it. Now I got to play I'll this be, stuff. Yeah. 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 I'll be feeling that all over again. But, uh, but it was pretty much working with Bob um, and being away from home was kind of exactly what I needed for mm. the album. And he was really great to work with. I don't know how much I can say about it since it's not quite 
time to promote that one yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think digging for dirt. I, yeah. <laughs> I think I can say that there are 11 songs. Yeah. On it. Um, it's going to be on vinyl. Oh, nice. That's what we like to hear around here. Yeah. Uh, but this that's... isn't your first full length, though. Do, don't you have other? Do I do. Full length album, like in 2015, I think. Yeah. 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 There's okay. a there's a 2015 survival guide album, but that one was written with Jason, written ah. and recorded with Jason. So I, I solo solo right? yeah yeah <laughs> I guess yeah you. which i i didn't know if i could do it or not even because it's like you know at that point when it became fully solo i didn't know you know i've i had never done that before and it just seemed like an insane amount of pressure that i put on myself mm. to, to do it and to you know feel confident enough to write everything that needed to be written i couldn't just i i was used to always writing the lyrics and mm -hmm. melodies but only part of the music you know contributing in each band i was in i contributed more to the music but suddenly i'm doing 100 percent of the music you know <laughs> so um so yeah it was it was a lot of um work for me but I, I do feel really, really good about it and really excited for people to hear it. And, um, and I hope that people love it. But even if they don't, I feel like I did. I, I did myself right with this record. Yeah. Basically. The accomplishment. It was daunting at first, but once you got, got through it, you're like, yeah, pretty proud of what you accomplished. So that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. I mean, that's, that's exciting. So, yeah. and yeah, I, I could imagine <laughs> doing everything. Like, <laughs> at least you have like, you know, I've always played in bands. So it's like, there's always a guy who's going to do the drums and someone who's going to play the bass. Right. <laughs> I'll let you do that. And you can come up with the harmonizing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Everyone has their job <laughs> in the band. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of work. And when you're the, the entire band, then it's, yeah, it's all up to you. But the cool thing about doing a solo thing is you, it's like, you can just get into that studio and just work, work, work. And it's at your pace and just kind of get stuff done. And yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, my pace is to not get stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me a long time. Yeah. But eventually, eventually I made myself do it. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to do any of it at home that you could like send in or was it all done in the studio? What really surprised me is that I brought my demos in to the studio to Bob and played them for him. And we kept so much of my of my original mm. demo tracks, um, not vocals. We didn't keep any vocals um, because I don't have nearly as professional of a setup as his studio. Um, and we we certainly added a lot to the to the uh to the tracks yeah but a lot of the core keyboard sounds and um electronic drums that i wrote um are are all embedded into the final mixes as well so oh, that's that was cool. yeah that was pretty cool there are multiple songs that have real bass on them but i played bass on two songs and one of those we used 
we full on used the demo bass instead of re-recording it, which wow. I was just like, really? Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> kind of knocked that one out in uh, the middle of the night. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 just it's to get the it demo. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's but, cool, uh, though. It gives it probably a real like immediate feel. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I mean, I, I at that point, you know, after having written every piece of every song, well, for the most part, there were a couple that that needed filling in. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I was just kind of like, oh, Bob, you think that's good? OK, cool. Yeah. Like there was somebody there who, who <laughs> was telling me, you know, like what what was good or not good about the mm -hmm. songs. And and uh, so I was completely ready to uh, to have feedback on it, working with the producer. Well, that's awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing it. It'll be exciting to get that when it comes out on vinyl. I assume you're going through Double Helix with that. Yes, definitely. So we will look out for it. Emily, where can people find your Patreon? Where can people find you to listen to music and learn more about your projects? Yeah, so a lot of my handles are Survival Guide Music. So on Instagram and on Twitch and um, YouTube. And then... Um, I also have survival guide with no vowels. So my Patreon is patreon.com slash SRVVLGD. And that's also my website um, where you can find everything. If you go to SRVVLGD.com, it was nice. an easy website to obtain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you take all the vowels out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're getting like a bunch of guides and how tos. And <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's not the most searchable band name out there. Well, at least it's not all or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. Yep. Definitely check it out. Check you out everywhere. You're doing all that great stuff. A lot of fun. It's great that you're connecting with fans in that way. Definitely brings like a, like an intimate sort of feel to it, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love having uh, this community of patrons and also Twitch viewers that I hang out with on a regular basis. And it's super fun. And it's yeah. it's really awesome, especially especially getting to live stream with them uh, there a lot, you know, and just they sometimes ask me questions about, you know, certain tours or have you ever met Tony Sly? You know, stuff like that. They can, <laughs> they can uh, just ask me questions. Yeah. We hang out and it's super fun. Do you still play Lemonade? <laughs> no, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few that I don't play. <laughs> no. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining me on Talking Records today. This was a lot of fun. I loved hearing about, uh, you know, new and different ways that people are getting music out there. So this is, this was awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I also enjoyed it. All right. Take See care. See you later. You yeah, too. Bye. Well, that about does it, folks. I would like to thank Emily once again for hanging out with me today and talking about her music. That was a lot of fun. I would like to thank the good people at Double Helix Records for connecting me with Emily. I would like to thank Krista Makes from Less Than Jake for the theme music. And, of course, thanks to all of you for tuning in to Talking Records. I really do appreciate you tuning in and supporting the show. I have the most fun doing this because I love music and I love talking about music. So thanks for helping me out with that. All right, everybody. Take care. <laughs>